On this episode, I talk with Chase, aka That Gay Jedi, about Halloween, horror, and all things spooktacular. So stay tuned for this special edition of Krypton to Alderaan. Alderaan, Chase. Thank you. Honestly, thank you so much for being here today. I'm a big fan of yours and your content. So yeah, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. How are you doing? I'm doing I'm doing good. It's sort of been a, a fun but busy month. So I'm kind of like ready. I never thought I'd say this and I might regret <laughs> it, but I'm kind of ready for October to be over. Like <laughs> it's been a wonderful month. It's always like one of my favorite months, but I think I think her time is coming to an end and I'm ready I'm ready to continue into winter and to sort of, sort of slow down. But overall, I'm good. I'm good and I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on and I'm a big Krypton to Alderaan fan. So, and I know I know you hear this all the time, but I sing the song all the time. I sing the theme song. It's always stuck in my head. And I think it's a wonderful mark of a great podcast when everyone says that. Like everyone I talk to about your show, like talks about the theme song and how it gets stuck in their head. So that's a wonderful thing. Awesome. Yeah. Royce, you got another earworm on your hands here. Congrats, pal. Do you think if Baze is listening, they just audibly gasped? <laughs> yeah, if they're eating anything or like, yeah, they probably just spit, spit out their food. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no problem to pull me aside next time I see them and be like, hey, Chase, what was that about? <laughs> yeah, we'll have part two of that conversation on Fear Queers. Speaking of fear queers, like I said, I'm a huge fan of your content. So can you tell us about all of all of what you do, please? Yeah, yeah. Well, Fear Queers is a podcast I create with one of my best friends ever, Beza. And we basically talk about being gay and liking horror. So it's a good time. Um, we just offer our opinions on our highly unqualified opinions on like horror movies, horror TV shows, any sort of like Halloween traditions and Halloweeny things. And so that's a really fun podcast. Um, also Pink Milk After Dark. And I'm sure many of your listeners have heard of or listened to Pink Milk. And that's an amazing group of people. Um, a wonderful, wonderful weekly live stream we do and podcast. And that, that I think that every Friday night at, uh, let's see, 930 Central. That's what I know. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I also sort of like my main outlet is my YouTube channel, That Gay Jedi. And I just make a bunch of uh, chaotic but fun queer Star Wars content. <laughs> chaotic but fun is the essence of content creation. Oh, yeah. It's just that's we should all have like T-shirts that yeah. say that. <laughs> no, it should be like chaotic but fun in parentheses sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Most time, most <laughs> of the, the fun time. Part. Yeah. <laughs> most of the time it's fun. All the yeah. time it's chaotic. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I am excited today to talk to you about Halloween and horror stuff. Yes. Listeners, that's what we're going to get into. And I'm excited for you to be here. I'm also excited because I don't, I do not, 100% do not have anyone else to talk about this stuff with. <laughs> So thank you for talking to me. I am honored. Yes. Everyone else, they're just a bunch of babies. So, <laughs> and because of you, I actually watched Insidious last night. <gasps> it started at like 11 p.m. No, by myself. Why would you ever? And so, yeah. Again, 
just a movie that like by the end uh, gave up. I was just like, if I walk around this house in the dark and something gets me, that's the end. That's it. That's it. Yeah. The only, yeah, you have to submit. That movie is horrific, but in the best way, it's such a good movie. But the first time I saw it, I was like, I was pretty shook for like maybe like, you know, a couple nights. I was just like, "Mm, I feel different in my home. (laughs) Yeah, I feel different. (laughs) Yes. But I got introduced to you on your YouTube channel. And then I think the first ever interaction we ever had, you had tweeted something asking people about like the Star Wars, their Star Wars stuff that they loved, like physical objects. Oh, yeah, yeah, And I had sent a picture of my Ahsoka statue with Moray. So good. uh, Because I love that statue. I love that figure so much. Yeah. Please come back and talk about Star Wars with me. Oh my God. I would would, also love that. I would love to. I'd be honored. As you alluded to, you're a fan of Halloween and horror, even though you're ready for it all to be over, (laughs) uh, which is what we're talking about today. So first question, have you seen Lamb? No. No. (laughs) Have you seen it? Absolutely not. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. I know. I was I was just was reading someone's um I think if someone was tweeting about it, but I haven't really I haven't really seen much else about it outside of like a couple like tweets here and there. But it seems intense, but I will try to get to that soon, hopefully before the end of the month. Anyone listening, go look up the trailer for a lamb. Or don't. Or it's don't. freaking weird. <laughs> Okay, one more thing before we really get into it. Can we just talk about Halloween Kills for a second? I know you just did all of this and you might be exhausted. No, 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 no. Joey, I was hoping you were going to bring this up because I saw that you tweeted that you watched it. And I, again, I was hoping you bring this up. So let's get into it. What did you think? I felt very little afterwards. Yep, fair. I wasn't like, oh, that was really good. But I wasn't like, oh, that was terrible. I do agree with a lot of the stuff that you and Beza talked about. Go listen to their Fear Queers episode about Halloween Kills. One thing that really threw me for a loop that y'all brought up, how in the world could Jamie Lee Curtis bring the political aspect of Black Lives Matter into the movie and then have three Black characters, two of which get brutally murdered very shortly after their introduction? Right. I just don't understand that. No, I, I don't understand it whatsoever. Like... Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things where, you know, I I think her sort of articulation about Black Lives Matter as a part of like their storytelling inspiration for Halloween Kills, like at best, it is still highly problematic. I think like in its most innocent form, which again is still problematic, I think it probably, maybe she means that she's just, you know, maybe she's just like awkwardly talking about something that she doesn't necessarily have the language for. And she's just talk, talking about like, uh, uh, general unrest. I don't know. Really, again, there's no way around it. It just is. It's just a, a a very problematic take and an uncomfortable take, and also like a take that really hurt the film. It was very like it was a very glaring sort of issue I had with the film, like that I just can't look past. I said on Fear Queers, like if I could just cut out that middle yeah. section of the movie, I would in a heartbeat. And then also if I had a hand in casting, I would have casted things differently and casted things more diversely you know another thing too is like i'm pretty sure there was like only black and white people in that movie and like there's a bunch of different kinds of people and yeah yeah, so it uh and like you said two of them who are also two of my favorite characters in the movie got got the chop pretty early on and like you said in a pretty brutal way they were great characters yeah I have a similar sentiment about all the mob mentality nonsense oh yeah it was just exhausting 
But I also think like, I think you had said offhandedly a couple minutes ago that you and Beza make like unqualified opinions. We're all here Mm -hmm. to create content and like critique stuff. And we all have that like critiqueability as long as we don't get gatekeepy about it. Fair. Yeah, absolutely. But something that I love about some of these movies, about movies in general, is when the creators and director give you a chance to critically think about a thing and make your own, form your own roots to something like that. Like a lot of headcanon stuff. But when you say it like that, and then there's literally none of what you've described as a political action in the movie. It just completely takes, yeah, like you said, it didn't do anything for the movie and took away from the movie. Yeah, absolutely. So that was difficult to watch. The mob mentality stuff was exhausting. (laughs) It was because it it lasted like maybe 25 minutes and I got what they were trying to do in the first two minutes. So the rest of the 23 minutes, I was literally just waiting for it to be over. Or waiting for there to be some like sort of some sort of payoff, which there wasn't. So, yeah. And that's another line of dialogue in the movie that I think I don't like it when I feel like a screenwriter or a director thinks that the audience is yes. dumb. And so after the mob forces the the guy that came out of the asylum, I don't know yeah. what else to call it, with, yeah. with Michael, once they force him to commit suicide, the older cop who was like the security guard at the hospital or whatever says the line, now he's made us all monsters uh, yes. or something, which is just, again, shoving it. Yeah. We know, like, we saw it happen. You don't have to be like, by the way, in case you yes. missed this, we're all yes. monsters now. So that made me mad. Yes. And then, <laughs> and another tiring thing, I don't mean to like... No, I love talking about this movie. Another exhausting thing for me was like you and Beza talked about the supernatural or unsupernaturalness of Michael. This movie went out of its way again and again to be like, oh, is he more than just a man? Like every time someone shoots at him with a gun, it misses or he blocks it until the very end. So that got exhausting. Like we get it. (laughs) Yeah. And then, listen, voiceovers are never good. No, never, ever. Or, yeah. That's maybe an exaggeration. but <laughs> So, yeah, that's my take on them. <laughs> There's also good stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, it was <laughs> it was like one of those things where I think by the end of like, dead of my conversation with Beza about it or just like having more time away from it, I'm like, you know, if you go into it expecting a very average Halloween movie in the sense of like the Halloween franchise, then it'll foot the bill. You know what I mean? Like it'll do what it needs to do. You watch Michael Myers kill a bunch of people and it's scary sometimes. But if you're looking for like <laughs> sort of general character world building and development and like, you know, some like more heavy lifting from the franchise, which I feel they have promised in a way with the way that they market this trilogy, you know, you don't you don't get that. So, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just funny. I think some people live for it and everyone else is like, you know, we're not getting what we want from it. But again, I think it'll wrap up nicely. I think it just got caught in that trap of being the second movie of a, of a trilogy. I will say one thing I like about it as a, as a content creator, I love having a creative outlet. And the idea of Michael as an artist just looking for a creative outlet, <laughs> putting the pumpkin in the closet, yes, staging the yes, kill scenes. You yes. Know, I, uh... There's just, yeah, he's just looking for his own little creative outlet, which is nice. Yeah. Not nice. It's not <laughs> it's nice. Not nice, he but it's killed a bunch of people. Yes, yes. Wait, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite character in that movie? Do you have one? It was not Jamie Lee Curtis by like a long shot. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That is fair. 
I really liked your idea of like having him go to the hospital while the mob Girl, was distracted. The, the, yeah, yeah. I really thought that that was what was going to happen, and we're going to get like a little Halloween two homage because I love that. Yeah, movie. yeah. I yeah, and you know the second movie. Yeah, and, and it was yes, great. Yeah, so. I know, and it would have been like also like a cool parallel because it was the second movie of this trilogy is it would parallel you know the second movie of the original. So yeah. I don't know if I have a favorite character. I know you love the son boyfriend guy, but I couldn't really. Oh, that's okay. Oh, my partner hated him. My partner like did not (laughs) like him. So I I get it. (laughs) I know. I don't know. Honestly, it might be his dad who was also in Midnight Mass, which is another. I can't laugh. But anyway, (laughs) I just love that guy. I think he's great in everything. Well, the things I've seen him in anyway. He was the only person in the movie that like cared about someone else. Yeah. Maybe, I guess like maybe Jamie Lee Curtis cared about her daughter and her granddaughter, but like Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter let her granddaughter go hunting Michael and just like didn't go with her or anything. He at least came to his senses when they pulled up outside the house. And that was a line of dialogue that was obvious, but I really appreciated. I think it was just, he was like, what an idiot. I brought my son. And that really solidified, like, he gets it. He knows that he did the wrong thing and and, and all of that. So I think he was my favorite. I agree. Who was your favorite character? Did you say on Fear Queers? No, I don't think I did. I mean, I guess I would assume, I would say the granddaughter is my favorite. Like, not because I think she's like the best character, but just like, I kind of got her vibe. I could relate to her the most. Like, I don't relate to Jamie Lee's daughter because she has like been living in this place of resistance with her mom for her whole life. And you'd think that at this point in their relationship, she'd understand like, oh, my mom's just obsessed with killing this guy and I'm going to try to make that happen. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, it was just like, how many times are you going to try to stop your mom when she's clearly not going to stop. You know what I mean? So, and I think that my distaste for her daughter is why I have like a proclivity towards like her granddaughter, because I felt like she was just like, you know what? Screw it. Like we're going to, we're going to go for it and kind of like do what we can to, to help stop all of it. So I kind of like admired the chutzpah, I guess, of, of her. <laughs> admired yeah. the chutzpah. Love it. She also gets the first real shot yeah oh my god with michael she stabs him with yeah knife. it's pretty yeah it's pretty good and i like what you said about the guy that's a midnight mass i do not know names that well but yeah i felt like he was the only person in the movie that was like really playing within the world that was set up like i feel like he got like an extra couple pages of like dramaturgy or like just a couple extra pages of script and he just knew more information and applied himself to the world he was acting in. Because I just felt like he kind of got it yeah. in a way that other characters didn't get it. And from an acting side. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yes. Agreed. Did, did you watch Midnight Mass? No, not yet. I have not watched it yet. He does exactly the same thing in oh, yeah. Midnight Mass as you've just described. He is incredible in yeah. that show. And the way he just is that character is so much better than anybody else in either one of these. I love that. I need to like look him up on IMDb and just kind of like go on a little deep, little deep dive with him because he really is awesome yeah so that's our take on halloween kills <laughs> good night everybody <laughs> can you tell us uh, you talked about this again in fear queers everybody go listen to fear queers it's a, it's a great show and it's very funny and chase and Bays are great but can you go over again your 
history and connection to horror? Yeah, I watched a lot of like horror TV mostly growing up. I didn't really get into movies till later, but like I watched a lot of paranormal like ghost investigation shows. That's like what I was raised on. So I will always be biased towards those and to Zach Bagans forever, um, my problematic king. Um, and then it wasn't until high school that I sort of got it more into horror movies. Cause like, it was just like the thing to do. And we were just a bunch of theater kids in high school wanting to scream and eat food and watch movies. And my first movie was the strangers, which I'm sure you've seen. We right? are going to talk about that. A okay. Little bit later. Great. I've seen it Great. last week because of you, because you recommended it. Oh my God. It. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, okay. Well, I hope that recommendation is set up because I haven't seen it in quite a few years, but I'm excited to get into that. But yeah. Um, and then like more as an adult, I kind of found my niche in, in horror more, you know, I became more well versed in horror as a genre. And then like, I found my niche being like more cult horrors, like more my vibe. I, I love, I love any, any cult horror I'm usually like very much into and keen on and will usually always watch if someone has a recommendation. Yeah. How about you? How did you get into horror? I have been thinking about this a lot lately. Honestly, mm -hmm. something that I've talked about before that I'm really interested in, especially with Krypton to Alderaan, is sort of tracing back the why of stuff. And so mm. early on, we asked the question how we got into Star Wars, and I really didn't have an answer to that. And I've been thinking about how I get into horror and why I like it so much, because no one else around me, as I've said, no one else around me likes it. And the extra answer... so. I've been thinking like maybe in a very, I don't know if unhealthy is the right word way, but that there was something about feeling home in that. And like mm. the the feeling of being scared was so natural, I guess, mm -hmm. second nature to me. Mm. So yeah, I've been thinking a lot about the question lately. And uh, I think that that might be why. And so from that, moving forward, I've just watched a lot of horror and enjoyed it and sort of critiqued it. And yeah. I guess that's it. Yeah. Sorry for bringing you on. And then this is the first time we meet and I've laid all that on you. No, no, <laughs> I, I appreciate, you know, I mean, the vulnerability and also it's, I mean, it's an interesting conversation to have. I think that a lot of people that have been through certain traumas or certain like horrors in their own lives, I think find a lot of comfort in horror movies. So I get what you're saying for right. sure. Something I'd love to discuss that you and Beza have talked about is the connection between queerness and horror. You know, something that I, as a straight guy, have never mm. considered before, really, until very recently and until you two started talking about it. Yeah. Well, you know, I will say, I think Beza will have, I'm excited for Beza to come on too, because they're very articulate about this sort of thing. And they're so good at like explaining it. But I guess my own take on it would be, first of all, kind of just like hopping off what you said, sort of like for a lot of queer people, like there are a lot of horrors that we, you know, mm. have had to deal with throughout history and also like present day. So I think that there is sort of like a a release in horror and there's a there's a relatability and maybe even sort of like an escape in the sense of one you get to sort of let go of being scared of anything in your real life because you can just be scared of what's on screen and then on top of it in some franchises and some movies you get to watch like a, let's say like a final girl kick ass. Do you mean you get to see like a badass woman just kick ass and live to tell the tale by the end of the movie? Um, which, you know, I think for anyone who has felt like the underdog in, at any point in their life is going to resonate with a final girl sort of trope. And then I also think throughout history, it's also been, you know, queer people have been made to be 
specifically like through, I think, the 50s and 60s, people were made to fear queers. <laughs> they were made to like be scared of of queer people and queerness as a concept and everything that comes with, you know, falls under the LGBTQ umbrella. So I think that there's a little bit of maybe like a sadistic embracing in some ways, but also like a very justified and in a lot of ways healthy embracing of, you know, if you're going to call us monsters, then we're going to be monsters. There's a little bit of room for like reclamation in there, obviously with exceptions and there's nuance to that. But I think that that's also part of the reason why I think horror and queerness go so well together. And then on top of that, like you have a lot of obvious sort of aesthetics and like production choices and like just some of the campiest media lives in the horror genre. And as camp was and continues to be like something that queer people lead. I think that there is a lot of a lot of just relatability and satisfaction in watching a, a just a campy campy horror movie. And that I mean that's again sort of like speaking mostly from personal experience on that just because I'm a cult horror fan and most of cult horror movies are pretty campy. So, I guess that's what I would say about that. Yeah. Sure. So coming to terms with understanding that, how have have you seen your connection to horror change over time? As you talked about, like paranormal um, TV shows as, as a kid growing up and watching that. And now your cult horror fascination or whatever you'd like to call it. Yeah, I think my connection to it has changed in the sense of like, I feel more ownership over the way I mm. drive through the horror genre and like the way I sort of like move through the genre because I... I've realized, I don't know, it's fun to like watch a scary movie, like a random scary movie today and like see elements of what I liked as a kid represented in that. I'll like a certain horror movie and I'll be like, oh, I like this because I watched Ghost Adventures every day as a kid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then also like, I think there's a little bit of it for me personally that feels just really, con this is going to sound maybe very weird, but like almost like confidence <laughs> boosting in a way where like I was really forced to watch a lot of scary stuff when I was a kid, like by like older siblings and stuff like that. And sure. I was just kind of like forced to watch it. And I was a very, I was very much a scaredy cat. And also I think it's very important to normalize being a horror fan and also a scaredy cat. Like you can be both, you know, but I think over time it's been fun because I've grown, I guess like when I reflect on who I was as a kid, it's like, obviously I was a kid, but also everyone is still always a kid. And so it's cool to know that like I have come far and don't get as scared as easily or get scared differently and know how to manage that, I guess. I don't know. I think that's just like a kind of a cool aspect to it. Like I went to um, Universal Studios Horror Nights a couple weeks ago in LA and it was like, it was my fourth time going and I love it. But going through those like horrific mazes is so fun. And then like by the end of the night at those kinds of events, I always leave being like, I did that. You know what I mean? Like that was fun. And mm -hmm. I also did that. I am the final girl. You know what I mean? So I think there's also a little bit of like confidence play if you can call it that, in horror for me personally. I completely get okay, that. <laughs> like, I think Cabin in the Woods, I think Cabin in the Woods is a great one to point to for yeah. that because she sort of wins. Yeah. She beats the system. I mean, everyone loses, right. but she's the survivor and she makes the choice that is her own personal best choice. And in that, she was a badass the entire Hell movie. Yeah. There was no damsel in distress bullshit, right. which we're going to get to in a little yeah. bit. I think we're going to talk about horror tropes and the <laughs> horror tropes we like and don't like. But yeah, I, I also love that movie. Talk about a problematic movie, Joss Whedon. Yeah, yeah. And all that stuff. Yeah. Let me ask you an aside question because I've been curious about this for a while. What do you do in the theater world? Right now, I am 
an artistic director of a, a small storefront here in Chicago. So right now it looks very different than it did before 2020. But yeah, we just, I mean, we connect with local organizations and local nonprofits and find ways to like connect audiences through those organizations after like the show is over. And the show that we, you know, produce is usually thematically tied to the organization that we collaborate with. So that's like the vibe. I used to like act a lot, but now I, now I'm more like directorial, like producing role. Did you ever see Evil Dead the musical? Oh my God, my I've listened. Things. I've never seen it. Like I haven't even watched it on YouTube, but I used to listen to it because my best friend in high school is obsessed with it. I hear it's amazing. And now that like I'm newer to the Evil Dead world, as in I think actually over quarantine, I watched the first Evil Dead. And then not until like the top of the month that I watched Evil Dead 2, which was amazing. I much loved better. And yeah, so much better. And also like actually like a great movie. So yeah. I now that, and I also tried to watch the show for a little bit. It was a little bit too something for me. Like it yeah, just yeah. like the humor was just like not my vibe. But that being said, I think now is a great time for me to get into that musical and watch it. Cause you love it. I saw it once. I only saw it once, but I remember really loving it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever watch Ghost Rider as a kid? No. What's that? I don't know. It was this show when I was a kid that was on about this little orb looking ghost that like helped kids write stories or something. It was oh, literally that's called so Ghost cute. I don't That's very cute. Let's just talk about horror movies and shit that we love. That sounds great. You talked about (laughs) Stephen King. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. And like saying that it satisfies some kind of urge in humanity to see these horror Mm -hmm. things. And I love Stephen King, but I hate that idea. (laughs) You (laughs) hate that take. Which is why like it wasn't until you said that that I was like, oh, that's why I don't like The Purge. And that's maybe Mm. why The Strangers hits a little bit different for me. Like I need that... Like you were saying, sort of culty or sci-fi element. Yeah. First of all, I don't like I don't like gore or horror. Like I don't like torture p word. Like I don't like any of that. I don't like that stuff. That is very uncomfortable to watch, and I don't like it. And also a qualm I have with the new Halloween trilogy. But anyway, I do think that there is. Okay, you might have to remind me. I can't remember if I already said this on Fear Queers or I'm saying it on the episode coming out on Saturday. <laughs> but basically. There was like this horrible, horrifying like axe murder that happened a while ago, like in real life. And all the neighbors went to like go gawk and like look at what had happened. And they walked through the house. Did I talk about this on Fear Quiz yet? No. Okay, great. So basically all the neighbors started like going through the house and looking at the crime scene, touching the axe that was used, contaminating evidence and like looking at this stuff. And my partner was like, that's so gross and like horrific to think that humans would do that. But then, and I agree, you know what I mean? But I think that's by sort of today's societal standards. Sure, no one will wear a fucking mask. Right, exactly. I think if maybe back then, the people that were like gawking at dead bodies that were still in their beds, I think that they might not have the urge to do that if they had horror movies the way that we have them today. Mm -hmm. Because I do think that it does release some sort of animalistic thing. But again, I also get that that like not everyone would agree with that. But I just think it's an interesting conversation to have. And I do think that like humans are more animal. I think we're more animal than we like to think because we just intellectualize everything. And we're like, oh no, like we're not animals. And I'm like, well, you know, (laughs) we are. I could could talk a lot about it, but yeah, that's, I do think that there is, there's at least some truth to that where horror does exist to sort of like release something within ourselves that needs to be kept at bay. 
but not in like a gory sense because I don't like gore and I don't think you need gore. You know, I think that like Insidious is a great example or I mean, even Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, a wonderful PG-13 film that doesn't have gore, but is scary. It's scary at parts, you know what I mean? And, and it and it kind of like, again, scratches a darker itch that I think humans need scratched more than we might realize. Would you consider spiders coming out of the face gore? Because uh, I skipped the shit out of that part. <laughs> it was horrific, but I don't know if I would say it's gory, but that reminds me. I do need to send you a picture because I, I was the spider girl for Halloween two years ago and I got to send that picture to you we'll because make it I had the, like a little, the thumbnail. <laughs> we'll make it the thumbnail to this uh, Perfect. <laughs> it's really interesting hearing that take from Stephen King because I think that touches on something very personal for him. Like it might not mm. be true for everyone, maybe right. maybe some essence of it is like, you're, like you were saying, but it's 100% true for Stephen King. Yeah, yeah. I think he saw so much of himself in the characters he wrote, most notably and importantly, Jack Torrance. When he wrote that, you know, they're writers, they're alcoholics, they have this monster, they became this monster. And until he quit drinking and and I think got hit by a van and then quit. Anyway, so I think that's very true for him. And so it was really interesting that that's like his take on that. I love The Shining, not that movie. (laughs) <laughs> yeah okay i i sorry go ahead that's all i, I was gonna say the book is incredible the book uh, like i said on krypton Alderon, book is one of my favorite books and when you can like i said before when something's not being shoved down your throat when a, when an idea isn't being shoved down your throat but you have the opportunity to read it and think critically about it there's just you get so much more out of it and if you take the shining the book that way it's horrifying it's a terrifying book right but it's also right. very much his life at that point. Whether he knew it or not, it came out on the pages. And right. yeah, I think it's incredible on so many levels. Yeah, I, I've been dying to talk to you about this because my introduction introduction to like the Shining universe, I guess now that there's the Doctor Sleep film is out and everything like that. So I never saw, I never, I mean, I had seen Stephen King movies. I was a big fan of Pet Cemetery, And I'm trying to think like if I was like a fan of any other, I mean, I'd seen it. more Stephen King. It, yeah, it, of course, I love it. Yeah, so basically, I hadn't seen anything with about The Shining, right? And the first thing I ever saw was Doctor Sleep. I hadn't seen The Shining, but I knew, like, you know, I had known what it was about. I just had never watched it. And so I knew going into the, the Doctor Sleep, I knew the rules of the world, more sure. or less, that were presented through the, just, like, word of mouth, right? And um, I love that movie, and I think you said you, you hated do. that movie. <laughs> I never said anything bad about it. I didn't say anything at all because I didn't want to say anything bad. Right. But that, but that speaks volumes. And I, and I'm curious, I'm curious, like, cause I mean, I, I really do want to know your opinion on that because I don't, I mean, I think I, I really just like the movie because, you know, it hit some type of way. And I, I liked a lot of what was happening. I also love Ewan McGregor and like, I love, I forgot who plays the, the hat, Rose the hat. What's, they're, they're in Dune. Um, Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. And I love her. And I just like, I don't know. I just love the story that was being told to the, to the point that I went and bought the books, which I haven't read yet, but I'm going to read both the bo- books at some point in my life. And yeah. I'm excited to do so. Please read Dr. Sleep and then let's talk about that. Okay. I could talk about it forever everyone in my life is probably really tired of hearing me talk about it It, (laughs) honestly i think it's my favorite book but what disconnects me from the movie i think the first act or the first act and a half of the movie Mm -hmm. are really good and it's really really well cast like i love the cast but there's something incredible there's many incredible elements of the book 
that mm-hmm. there's elements of The Shining that hit extremely hard emotionally. And there's mm-hmm. elements of Dr. Sleep almost the entire book. I don't think I could turn a page in that book without getting emotional. It is wow. incredible. And the idea that Danny Torrance grew up and it he became an alcoholic, right? You see that right. in the, the movie and he couldn't escape the demons of his father. Right. And the way Ewan McGregor plays that in the movie is done very well. The elements of the book that I, I don't want to spoil it for you because I really want you to read the book, but the book gets very different. There's a very strong connection between Danny and Abra that mm. is not expressed in the movie, but mm. that makes the book what it is. And okay. I don't understand why you would remove that yeah. when it's the critical element. Yeah, I would say there's two critical elements. One, I don't want to give away because I don't want right. to spoil it for you. Two is Danny and Abra's connection. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I don't, I just don't get why you would honestly like the like I said the first act or act and a half follows the book pretty well. They make some corrections based on the way the movie The Shining went. Like Dick yeah. Halloran is a ghost, whereas right. in the book he survives. Right. But they have the same interactions, hmm. him and Danny. So I don't know why you'd veer so off for Act Two and a Half and Three. Well, that makes me first of all, it kind of it kind of makes sense, and not to forgive it, but it kind of makes sense. Like the book is always better than the movie. I feel like we can all agree that books are usually always better than the movies, and it makes me, I think, more excited to read the book hearing that because. Now I know that like, you know, I like the movie and I can't wait to like explore and get more as like as an audience member, but for the book and 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 kind of dig deeper into what else there is to dig deeper. I don't even think I know half of what there is to dig deeper in, but I'm excited to like read the book now and, and get more that I don't know, even know I'm missing from the movie. Yeah, you can get so much out of it. And another thing I love is you track Stephen King's journey. When he wrote mm. The Shining, he was in a much different place than when he wrote Dr. Sleep right. six years ago or whenever it right. came, whenever he, he wrote it. And I think it's in the prologue or maybe it's in an interview he did before the book came out where he would be on road trips and he'd be thinking about Danny Torrance or someone would ask him, a fan would ask him, hey, whatever mm. happened to Danny Torrance? And there's mm-hmm. something so something about that yeah. to me, that yeah. idea that that character, like how it was on his mind, how he grew up. And again, for me personally, I grew up with something in The Shining, the book, where you see that he's maybe two different people. And I had mm. a very strong connection to Danny because of that. And then seeing Danny grow mm. up and seeing me grow up where I like, I understand that that's an avenue when, when right. we meet Danny in the, in the beginning, that that's an avenue that, that I could have gone down, but they, but that just, no, that's just part of my connection to Danny. But the book, yeah. there's so much more depth there's just so much more meaning in the book than they were able to articulate in the movie. And sometimes movie versions do that, but I really think they had a lot of chances in the movie to express that mm. and they did not They did, mm. uh, for whatever reason. Yeah. And it's a track record with Stephen King's stuff, right? He kind of gives away sure. the intellectual property and then it, yeah. it doesn't always turn out right. I think the only exceptions I have are Dreamcatcher, uh-huh. which I think the ending of Dreamcatcher is much, much better than the ending of the book. And mm-hmm. it, the new it. Uh, oh, yeah. 
So yeah, yeah that's my take on that. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I need to get reading because I, I am feeling very inspired to read Dr. Sleep. Do you think I have to, do you think I should read The Shining first? I think you got to because there's, again, yeah. critical differences between the movie, The Shining and yeah. the book that just matter so much in Dr. Sleep, especially right. at one particular point. So I do, okay. I guess I do have a friend that I talk to this stuff about. She is a fan of The Shining and Dr. Sleep. And last time I read Dr. Sleep, I texted her and I was like, I can't turn a page without getting emotional at this book. Oh, so yeah, yeah. That everyone read it. It's so good. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> yeah. something that really bothers me just as a little aside, I've been trying <laughs> to find a physical copy of Dr. Sleep. I only have uh, an electronic copy, but now every physical copy has, you know, they used to put stickers on books when a movie version was coming mm -hmm. out. Now they just make it part of the oh, yeah. sleeve, which really bothers me. Yes. I don't want that. It drives me anyway. nuts. Yes. No. Yep. So, yeah. So, that's that. You want that original cover. Yeah. Those go for expensive online, don't they? Yeah. I was lucky enough to just find a hardcover of The Shining in a secondhand bookstore here, which you really have oh, nice. to snatch up because there's like none of oh, them yeah. anywhere. Let's talk about horror genres. Let's talk about our favorite horror genres. Okay. You said cult horror, you don't like gore. We're on the same page so far. Yes. Foreign horror versus US horror, cult horror. What else is there? B movies, stuff like that. What do we like? Yeah. yeah. Camp. Yeah. I like, I mean, I think I like, oh, well, I can tell you what I don't <laughs> like. I don't like psychological. Psychological thrillers are sometimes too much for my brain. Like, I just don't, I just cannot do that. Do you have an example? Okay. Like, Midsummer is, Midsummer is kind of an example. But it's like not that, but it is that. I guess I don't love horror about like really intense yeah. trauma, which is a lot of horror. Do you know what I mean? But I think I prefer it more like subliminal, I guess, like trauma being a little bit less explicit in horror. If that makes, does that make sense? It does. So maybe more like a physical versus an emotional or mental yeah. yes. terror. Yes. Very that. What about Get Out? Okay, this is my dirtiest secret. I've never seen Get Out. I've never seen Get Out, <laughs> which is awful. I've seen Us and like, I love Us, but I haven't seen Get Out. And it's literally, it's literally my issue. I have, a pro I have a problem with it. I have like, as in like, I am problematic for not seeing it. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. It was based on what you just said. It might not be your cup of tea. That's what I'm saying. And I think like part of me like hasn't watched it because I just, I just am not ready for that. Whereas like Us is like a lot more symbolic and physical and like bigger picture. I think it's more of that, which is nice. Okay, but what were the rabbits? Okay, I don't know. I literally don't know. Is that like their food? No, I know. I, I've never been able to figure that out. And then I was like, I think, aren't like rabbits used like a lot of times like for, for like fertility, like a symbol of fertility or something? I read that, read that somewhere online, but then I was like, I don't, still don't really get how that would work in the movie. But then part of me is like, you know what? Maybe it's literally just to put rabbits in there. You know what I mean? Sometimes I like the idea of a director just like making a choice like that just to have the choice. I don't understand why, but it's there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, not psychological thriller. Yeah. I like slashers, but I don't like, you know, gore. So that's always like a fine line. I like, uh trying to think of like other genres and subgenres. Obviously paranormal stuff I love. I love like demon stuff. <laughs> Yes. Can we talk a little bit about paranormal activity? This, I don't know if this conversation's going all over the place. Everyone <laughs> stick with us. Can we talk about paranormal activity? How do you feel about that? 
I mean, like, I think it was, like, great for the time. I think it was, like, a really cool thing that was very different, inspired a lot of, like, newer horror movies, but I don't necessarily personally view it as, like, a classic myself. Sure. It's classic in, like, historical context for the genre of horror, but it's not exactly, like, a rewatch for me, and it's... I think it really, like, contemporized jump scares and, like, recontextualized them for, like, a lot of what they are today. I don't know. What do you think about Paranormal Activity? I remember really liking them. I think I said this on our Halloween spooktacular episode. That's the kind of horror that I love most, where it's the suspense of that. Like there is a supernatural element, but there's the suspense with the found footage and the like home security cameras panning. Nothing ever fucking happens in those movies, (laughs) but they're still terrifying as shit. Yeah. just that, to me, that found footage aspect of it. So I don't really yeah. enjoy all of them, but I think the first three I enjoyed. Is the second one like the flashback where the two women from the first one are little girls or something? I anyway, think so, I yeah. Those. I haven't seen the third one, though, so maybe I need to watch that one this week. Let's talk about cult. What, what like cult movies or cult classics do you like besides Evil Dead? Well, I love, I just watched Night of the Creeps and it's an instant classic for me. Like, I literally just watched that this week. Have you seen it? I don't think so. It is fun. It is very fun. <laughs> it's sort of like, it's okay. Actually, wait, do you like like really like over the top campy horror? I do. I really, really like that kind of thing. And I love like old horror movies and old B horror movies. Okay, Joey, this movie is your movie <laughs> because it is sci-fi and horror and camp and B movie. It is, I swear you have to watch, you like just gotta, you gotta watch it. And it's freaky, but it's not, scary and like all the all the gore that is there is like super practical and super like saturated and stylized in a way none of it is like gross do you know what I mean it's just cool and fun I feel like very self-aware so I love that movie Night of the Creeps okay let me write it down yes <laughs> that's good audio content oh yeah absolutely I did actually write it down though <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think a couple weeks ago I watched um, Trick or Treat from 1986 which I've talked about a lot but that one's super fun I've kind of gotten more recently into like cult horror and so I have like a lot of other movies that I'm like trying to watch this week I've still never seen Fright Night which I think is crazy that that has gotten away from me so I'm excited to watch Fright Night and then Ghost Watch um, do you know what do you, have you heard of Ghost Watch? No. Okay, so it was this sh- there's this movie, like this special that premiered on Halloween night on the BBC. They used real BBC anchors, news anchors in this mockumentary about this paranormal investigation team that's going to investigate a house, like just some local like home. And they premiered it on Halloween night, but some people were tuning in late and missed the first title scene that said that this is a movie and it's scripted and there's special effects and it's fake. And so like the story goes is that when it premiered, a lot of people were like horrified watching this in their homes because they were like on Halloween night watching the news because again, they cast real news anchors. And so everyone was like losing their minds at home on Halloween night watching this. And they kept calling in like to the news station, (laughs) just like asking for more information or like reporting their own sort of stuff. Yeah, so it was like, I like love the story of that and I am definitely watching that this weekend. So it's very Orson Welles' War of the Worlds. Yes. Everyone freaked out. Yes. They tuned in late. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then my partner just watched a movie called Stage Fright, which is, I don't know if you've seen it. No. It's about this like actor who got really bad reviews and then he like decided to, well, 
murder every critic who gave him like a bad review. And then he was, I think he was a Shakespearean actor. So, I mean, I haven't seen it, but I, I, I really want to watch it. And it's like, apparently like all the deaths are very like Shakespearean and these like other like ghosts from the theater, like help him kill these critics, like in really <laughs> weird creative ways. Like, so that sounds incredible. How about like Night of the Living Dead? I haven't seen that in so long, but I loved it. I loved it. Is that what are your favorite Colors? Great question. I know I said besides Evil Dead, but Evil yeah, Dead's a big one, right? Incredible. That's like the first one I, yeah. I think of. Should we do some on air Googling? I love on I'm all about on air Googling. Okay. You know, I've never seen Jennifer's body. <gasps> Sorry, Beza. Oh, Beza. The, okay, Beza like definitely just did a spit take. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer's body is incredible. I always forget that that kind of counted as cult horror at this point. It's wonderful. Amazing. Oh, Halloween 3 mm-hmm. is on this list, which I so love. So fun. Critters. I should have said this when you asked me how I got into horror, but Critters is the first horror movie I ever remember oh, wow. watching as a little kid and then like yep. having nightmares forever <laughs> afterwards. So Critters is on their list and my list. Killer Clowns from Outer Space I remember yes. watching and never watching again. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. The Crow. Oh, yeah. Cult favorite, The Crow. And then a movie that's going to come up later, I think, in maybe the little game we're going to play at the end, The Thing. Oh. So that's definitely on my list. A little bit gory. Let's talk about horror tropes. All right. I'm ready. There's so many that I can't stand. So let's talk about ones we love and ones maybe we love a little bit less. Right. I'm going to go first uh, because there's one big one for me that... I don't want to come out the wrong way because sex is a very taboo Mm -hmm. conversation in our society for some reason. And I don't want this to be that, Mm -hmm. but some aspect of like the sex trope in horror has always made me felt very icky going like back to dracula and old vampire movies where like sex and seduction was part of their whole thing. Oh yeah. And so I don't, I don't like that at Mm -hmm. all in horror. And, you know, it goes from those old movies to something like It Follows, which a few years ago, like everyone loved, right? And I just couldn't feel Mm -hmm. the same way about it. That's one of my least favorite horror tropes. That's one of your least favorite? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think just like generally, I feel like so much of any sort of sex trope in horror is so like whoever's watching the movie is interpreting obviously everything sure. but i feel like specifically with sex it's like it can mean so many different things to so many different people and it can also be like very triggering or not triggering for other mm. people but my take on it is that more sex positivity and horror would be great you know what i mean that overall i think as a blanket statement that would be a cool thing to see and also i don't even want to say progressive just a more like relatable and also a more of a sign of the times type of thing if someone if people like incorporated more like sex positivity into horror That's 100% the way I should have approached that. Like sex positivity, whereas in something like It Follows, it's used as a weapon, you know, which she just wants to be rid of the entity that's attached itself to her or whatever. And so like it's always been weaponized and used in yeah. in my mind in a very icky way. Like again, I agree. Dracula vampire stuff where it's like a seduction and I don't mean to keep saying icky, but this is a Halloween episode. <laughs> but so, icky. Yeah. And I don't want to like make that lesser. It's very problematic, I think. So yeah, more sex positivity in stuff like that. Let's see. What are some horror tropes that you like that like are staples of the horror genre that you need? I, okay, people might 
we'll, we'll definitely disagree, but I love the like horror trope of bad things happening on Halloween night. Sure. That is like one of my Perfect. favorite things in the world. It's so good. It's what makes Halloween fun for me. Like an element of danger where like, Probably nothing probably will happen on a Halloween night, but also like things can happen on Halloween night. Like I love that. <laughs> um, obviously, I love Final Girls. Oh, I love this is like obviously it's very easy to do this trope and like be a lazy rider with it. But when it's done right, I think using like an expert where like people go to like an expert to get information or or to get like more like muscle in their team. Having an expert in a horror movie to me, I think is like a fun trope. I love mirrors. I love anytime I like if someone steps into the room and there's like mirrors and you don't know like where the bad guy is or there's like a million of the bad guys because of the mirrors. Like I love that. That's fun. That's very fun. I loved that in it part two. Yes. Where so good. Billy is is trying to go through the mirror maze to save the kid and he just keeps bumping into mirrors. Like it might go on yep. for a little bit too long how many times <laughs> he bumps into a mirror. But But those are my those are my faves, I think. Fave tropes. Yeah. I also really love everything you just said. I also love the expert. It was one of my favorite things about Insidious and, and any James Wan yes. movie. Like he brings oh these my people God. in. Yes. You know, totally. and I love I love the conjuring movies. Oh yeah. And Me they're too. all built around Ed and Lorraine. Lorraine, right? Warren? Yeah. Yeah. I love that they're in that, but I think that you can research no matter like what you believe in terms of paranormal stuff that the real Ed and Lorraine Warren took advantage of people and that was sort of their bread and butter. Yeah. So, and then I think he hired right. Lorraine as a consultant on those movies, which is kind of Yeah, he weird. did, yeah. Well, maybe a prod problematic <laughs> element if they really were the people taking advantage of other people. Right. But anyway, I really like that expert stuff and it all started with The Exorcist, right? Oh, yeah. Where does that rank on your horror movie list? Well, I will say like, it's not... I like it a lot, but I like it a lot because of the memory. I, I saw it on stage basically once and I like, there's a West End production of it in London oh, awesome. and I went and saw it and I was like obsessed. Horror theater is a really fun, a hard to come by um, production genre for, for stage. And oh my God, you walked in, the whole room was vibrating with these like, horrifying, dark, low voice chanting that was just the entire pre-show. So like while everyone's just coming into the theater, like coming out of dinner, like blah, 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 like sitting down for their seats, like <laughs> it was just like, it set the tone so fast and also it went on for like a half hour. So it really gets on your nerves and like it just gets you like on edge and obviously like so much fun, like, you know, practical effects and everything like that. So I think I like it for that reason. But other than that, the movie isn't my favorite thing in the world. I like it, but I'd say like it's it's outside of my top 10. What about you? I remember watching it as a teenager and being like, oh, that's what everybody's been talking about. Right. Let's see. I was a teenager in the early 2000s, and that's just mm -hmm. what everyone talked about when they talked about horror. I feel like there's been like a huge horror resurgence in maybe like the past oh, 10 years. Absolutely. But when I was yeah. like growing up, The Exorcist was at the top of everyone's like at the tip of their tongue. So I watched it and I was like, oh, right. yeah, that's fucking terrifying. So, yeah. <laughs> but the first, obviously, my first introduction to that expert element. Yeah. Let's see. Other tropes. I love everything you just said. I'll be the negative person. Here's some tropes <laughs> I don't like. Here's right. something about the strangers, Chase. Oh, okay. I'm oh, I'm excited. I'm ready. It's good for several reasons. Let's like end this conversation before we start our little game with talking about the strangers. Okay. I think The Strangers is good for several reasons, but it heavily used horror tropes like The Damsel in Distress. Oh, yeah. 
For sure. And making stupid mistakes. Yes. Like, yes. I get it. There's no way to put yourself in that situation, right? right. You, no one has any idea what they're going to do in that situation. Right. But I'll tell you one thing I would do is put on shoes. Yeah. yeah. That would be like the first thing I did is put on some fucking right, shoes. Right. She's running around that movie barefoot yeah. the whole time. And I couldn't stand that. Yeah. Like bad stuff is happening. Anything bad could happen to you. And just, yeah, you, you got to get shoes away. Yeah. So put on the shoes. <laughs> but I that, that just is such a weird choice to make. And I felt that was the choice made to make her more of a damsel in distress. Yeah. So I would say generally people making stupid mistakes. This also happened in Halloween Kills. Oh, a couple of my times. God. Yes. It, one of the most <laughs> infuriating was like a group of people deciding that they're not going to split up. And then for some reason they split up. I'm like, we just said yeah. that we weren't going to do that, guys. Where did that where did that brain go? Something amazing the way they handle that in Cabin in the Woods mm. is the group is like, we need to stick together. There's no way we're splitting up. Right. And then the team behind the scenes is like, turn the gas oh, on. Yeah. Split them up. And they turn the gas yep. on and it makes them change their mind. So good. So good. I think that's great. And also stop grabbing knives. You don't like that. I don't it's like so close quarters, like yeah. literally find anything else you can yeah, use. for sure. Or like a very long, if you have a sword, by all <laughs> means, grab that knife. But if you have like a sit, like- That's a good point. One of the, like Big John grabs the little cheese knife and he's oh, like, that I've got crazy. this knife. It's like, what are you that gonna, what do you think you're gonna do? Yeah, and I just, I don't know. I feel like they were trying to be funny with that too. And I was like, let's just not be funny. I was like, who would ever use a tiny little knife yeah. like that? You know what I mean? Your kitchen's right there. Yeah, yeah. So is that all the tropes? And I don't like gore. I don't know if gore counts as a trope, but I'm in the same same way. I don't like gore. I will say I don't like killing pets. I don't like it when pets die in movies. Agreed. It's just like a cheap, sad thing where I'm like, okay. Also, like my dog would either like fight back or she would just run. I don't know. I also like the idea of just like getting a little bit more creative than that. Not believing victims or children. Yep, 100%. Or like the person like screaming like, oh, don't go over there. You know, if if a person pulled me over on the side of the road and was like, don't go to that cabin in the woods, I'd be like, great, I'm going to go find the nearest hotel. Do you know what I mean? Like I yes. would listen. That's a trope that, uh, yeah. Also losing cell phone service. That's always Big a Big one. That's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't like hurting pets and stuff. And this is a conversation maybe we can have on a Star Wars episode that we do. And maybe we, Ooh. and I think we'd end up on different sides of it. But it's one of the reasons that I don't necessarily like Jedi Fallen Order as much as everyone else does. Oh, that's, no, that's fair. Star Wars has established yeah. that you can interact with animals in a positive way. Yes. And all you do in Fallen Order is slaughter animals. Yeah. Discussion no, for right. another time. Right. But great point. <laughs> Yeah, turn around, listen to people. Yeah, the listening oh, to kids yeah. thing. And oh, that's also something I think the first season of uh, Stranger Things did really well. Oh my God, I know, I know. Oh my God, I agree completely. And I was so worried that it wasn't going to do that. And yeah. that's also why Joyce Byers is the best mom we've ever seen in media. She's the most yeah. badass mom. I mean, I, yeah, I well, I can talk forever about Stranger Things, but yeah. It all makes me think of... Star Wars again. That episode <laughs> of The Bad Batch. It's the Hera episode. Oh, and yes. And Tech is like, children exaggerate. And Omega's like, no, they don't. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> push that shit away. Exactly. I love that. Here's another thing I do not like. Not necessarily a trope, maybe more of a genre. Mm -hmm. I 
do not like horror parody. Not mm. one bit. Like, like scary, scary movie. Scary movie. I've never seen those, yeah. Tyler Perry's Medea mm-hmm. Haunted House or whatever it's called. Any of that stuff. How do you feel? I've never <laughs> seen Scary Movie, which is like, I just never did. I never watched it. Everyone yeah. in my life has seen it. And yeah, I, I've never really seen a lot of horror parodies. So I can't, I guess I can't comment. I just, have, I've, I don't think I've really seen anything. Can neither confirm yeah. nor deny. <laughs> I think that's through my list of topics. I'm excited to play this game. Do you have anything else? I think I feel pretty complete. I think we also covered a good amount of tropes, some like standards and some like, you know, ones that people don't think about a lot. Let's play a game. Okay. Oh, like Saw. Oh, never seen it. Never will. I will never (laughs) watch those movies. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Fair enough. (laughs) Take that off this list of this game. Okay. So I think that this is the most fun way for this to go. Okay. Let me know if you think otherwise. We'll go back and forth listing horror movies and we can chit chat about them as we go. Okay. And categorize them. Spooktacular. Okay. Snortacular. Or boo. <laughs> okay. So we have like a good, a neutral, and a bad. Or just like never seen it. I couldn't come up with like a spooky. <laughs> <laughs> a spooky never seen it. <laughs> but. Okay. That sounds great. That sounds fun. Yeah. I'm ready. Great. The Strangers. Okay, The Strangers. <laughs> I will say spooktacular because I I was it was my first one. It, you know, it's just like sure. such an emotional memory. Like I gotta know my roots. So I'm gonna say spooktacular. It's what about you? Very fair. I would say also <laughs> just over the line of spooktacular. Listen, it wow. is it is scary. I find it scary. Again, I'm not big on that like horror based in reality. And that's very yeah. like okay. real, very home invasion-y. The bad guys are very real people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But there's the elements of like the damsel in distress. She is a, what did you call it? She is a final girl, yeah. right? She makes yeah. it. But the yeah. entire time she's doing that Liv Tyler like whisper. Yeah. <laughs> and very like in this box, right? In this woman yeah. in horror box Fair. that Halloween broke 40 years ago. I, yeah, and I know. <laughs> we don't need to do it anymore. But she's like very soft spoken and very like she needs her man. Yeah. And she's not even wearing any fucking shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty infuriating, that movie. I get that, yeah. But I will say spooktacular, it's terrifying. Yeah. So that's where I land on that. (laughs) Okay, I'll say ready or not. Is that with Dakota Fanning and... and, uh, It's not Dakota. I'm trying to think of what, what the actress's name is. I'm going to do some on-air Googling. On, on-air Googling. came out a couple years ago. It's oh, I'm not going to say what I think of it yet. It's about the family who makes like games or like in the gaming industry. Oh, no. I have never <gasps> seen that. What movie Joey, am I thinking of? Oh, it's got Adam Brady. That movie, I'm just going to say it's spooktacular. And it's one of my, it's in my top 10. I feel like I'm going to have never seen it for a lot of your No, I, hey, you know what? That's the thing about horror movies though. And that's what's fun to talk about them. But also what's hard to talk, what's tricky about talking about them is there's so many and there's so many different kinds. I feel like I talked to someone about it and like, we both love horror just as much as the other person. But like, I haven't seen any of their movies and they haven't seen any of my movies. And then obviously there's some overlap, but listen, there's a lot of scary movies out there. And I think you need to see Ready or Not. That's the one I'll push. I will watch it. Listen, I was thinking of, and I think this is completely fair. I was thinking of Hide and Seek <laughs> with Robert oh, De Niro. Very fair. Yeah. Absolutely. Ready or not, Hide or Seek. There you go. Which it's like one should be the sequel to the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Chucky, the original. Oh, oh, I would say spooktacular. I love Chucky. I think he's so annoying, but that's the point. Yeah. You're supposed to just be annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what about you? <laughs> I would also say spooktacular. Again, I think there was oh, yeah. that great supernatural element. Yes. I think the sequels are also fun. I think so too. It's just fun to watch. Yeah. And are you going to be watching the Chucky TV series that's just started premiering? I probably will. Again, I shouldn't say yeah. this. I don't want to make Lorelai <laughs> feel bad. No, I know. But I it's know. just, you know, I, uh, I want to watch what we both want to watch. Of course. Except for this weekend, because we're watching my version of The Shining, Ooh, which I love. Which I haven't seen. Yeah. No one, I think I might be the only one who has, <laughs> like in the world. <laughs> but it's very, very good. So spooktacular. Spooktacular. Chucky. Yes. Trick or Treat, like the newer one with Sam with a lollipop. Is that the little... The little cute... You know what? Chase, like, never seen it. Okay. I'm sorry, listeners. This is, uh, <laughs> this is just who I am. <laughs> Okay, let me replace it with Crimson Peak, Guillermo del Toro, Tom Hiddleston. Oh, I did see Crimson Peak a little bit after it came out, which was only a couple of years ago, right? No, I think it came out... I thought it came out like 2015. 2015. Yes, okay, great. Yep. What happens to time? Nothing. I mean, everything and nothing. Jeremy Baramy. <laughs> Jeremy Baramy. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say spooktacular. That might be a snore-tacular That's me. fair. That's fair. I can see why it would be for a lot of people. Absolutely. What do you think? What's your... I think it's spooktacular, but I'm completely biased because it's Jessica Chastain and Tom Hiddleston and very... I mean, I love them both. I know. And it's like, it's just like, to me, it's like the perfect blend of Haunting of Bly Manor and Sweeney Todd. It's weird and taboo, but like campy and romantic and just uncomfortable in the best way <laughs> and wonderful talent on screen. Yeah. Can we talk about Bly Manor for a sec? Yeah, sure. Oh, we could write it. I'd say... I don't know if I'd say spooktacular. It seems to deserve its own category, but I did not appreciate it for what it was when it came out. And it took me a little while to really get behind what he was making with that show. I agree. I had a very similar experience where like when I got to the end of it, I was like pretty mad. I was just kind of like, why the hell would certain things happen? And why wouldn't certain things happen? And then like a couple of weeks after I watched with my partner and we would talk about it and we were like, okay, well, like, we kind of get it, you know, now that we like know what it is on its own and can kind of have some critical distance from it. It's good. I would recommend it. But I will say for me, it's like it's probably like right on the border of spooktacular. Something that I didn't appreciate that Mike Flanagan did when he did it in Bly Manor that I later appreciated is making it a love story at the end. Yeah. And they, they shove that down your throat a little bit, even right. with the dialogue. Right. But I like the way... That end panned out, but then I think he's doing it too much now. Like, I would agree. He's done the same thing a same couple story. of times. Yeah. We get it. You want to tell a love story. Yeah. I am very similarly feeling on, on Mike Yef. What about The Witch? I don't think I've, I've seen it. I haven't seen it. What's her name that's in that? Anya Taylor Joy. Oh, yes. I don't, I don't, wait, when did that come out? It came out 2015 also, I think. Yeah, 2015. Let's see. No, okay. I have not seen it. I'm looking at a picture. I know what I'm seeing, but I, I haven't seen you it. You should watch it. What about you? You like it? Extremely spooktacular, I would Ooh. say. We'll add, a, we'll add a new category. Okay, love that. I'm writing that <laughs> down. I will be watching that. It feels like very culty also. Yeah. So there's lots of that that I like. Love that. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Like the 1992. With Keanu Reeves. And Winona Ryder. And yeah. It's very, I remember it. Is it very campy? Or is that just like the Dracula story? Oh, yeah. No, it's totally stylized. And there's like puppet work and like 
crazy lighting and very campy, like over the top melodrama. Camptacular. Camptacular. <laughs> Again, it has that like seductive trope that I that I don't like the taking advantage that's the way I should have expressed it like that taking advantage right that I yeah. don't really like so I would say boo I think that would be my first boo <laughs> okay fair totally fair what about you for me it's a it's a spooktacular but I mean I get what you're saying especially in Dracula stories like consent exactly isn't ever yes. on the table <laughs> in those types of stories and that is problem that is a uh, highly problematic but I just I love watching that movie and, and feeling like I'm watching like a filmed stage play oh yeah it's so theatrical and it's so like I said melodramatic just it just feels like an old horror movie it feels yeah. very classic and like you can tell it the sets are sets you can tell the costumes are costumes you can tell the actors are actors and I love that I love that Awesome. Maybe I'll give it another watch. We'll continue on the Dracula train. This one wasn't on my list. Dracula 2000. Never saw it. Who was in that? <laughs> oh, who the fuck knows? Oh, um, no. I'm more on air Googling. Gerard Butler. So boo oh automatically. I, yeah, never, that's a boo for me. Never I don't even need to see. <laughs> Christopher Plummer. We're just going to go with boo. Okay. Next. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to go with boo. <laughs> Thank you. Next. How about A Quiet Place Part 2? Did you see it? I did. Okay, what would you say? I really liked it. I don't know. It's not necessarily spooktacular, but I really enjoyed it. And I know you yeah. and Beza, I, I actually just thought about it listening to your Halloween Kills episode because I think it's that episode that you talk about casting partners or wives in stuff yes. that you make. Yes. Mike Flanagan. How do you feel about it? You know, how do I feel about the movie or how do I feel about that idea of casting partners? Let's do both. Well, listen, casting your partners is a <laughs> fantasy and I love the vision, but sometimes your partner lacks the vision and it just doesn't work and we have to have, be able to have those conversations. But that being said, I don't think that A Quiet Place movies fall into that trap. I mean, Emily Blunt is so incredibly oh, talented amazing. and just amazing, amazing, amazing. And I like John Krasinski as a director, but I will say Quiet Place Part 2 for me was was a little bit snortacular. I appreciate it. I love the first one. And maybe this is just because I don't have children, but the way I would not fight to stick around. <laughs> so the whole time I'm like, y'all are really, you, I mean, the will to live is very strong is all I'll say. Yeah. And I don't necessarily, if I was in those positions where everyone is dead and I have to like be super quiet and worry about my kids dying, I think I, I don't know. Yeah. I agree. There's also a lot of that movie. There's a lot of that world that doesn't make sense that's in, as far as right. like the threat and stuff. Right. So that that's where it got kind of snortacular for me. But it's still like good. Like and it was worth watching and I'm glad I watched it. Snortacular, but watch it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the Thing, 1951, okay. and The Thing, 1982. I hate <laughs> John Carpenter's The Thing. I hate to tell you this. I haven't seen either of them. I'm so sorry. That's like the boring, most boring thing I could say in response. I've said that a lot. But, <laughs> but no, I've never seen, never seen. I've seen clips, but I just can't, I can't say that I've seen, you know, the whole thing. The whole thing. The whole the thing. Oh, the whole the thing. <laughs> yeah, as much as I say, like, I don't like gore, there's something about John Carpenter's The Thing that, I don't know, I like a it lot. Hits. Kurt Russell. Yeah, I love... He's great. Unless he's a problematic figure and then I hate him. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but the thing 1951, I think, is something maybe not a lot of people know about. Yeah. But it really, for some reason, holds this classic idea in my mind. I love that. 
and it just like a monster in the house kind of vibe. Yeah. I would probably honestly watch the 1951 one first. Great. I think it's fun. I think it's fun and like a cool, I think it was pr- a pretty new idea at the time. It's got some of the same elements where they find this thing frozen in the ice, which you've never seen John Carpenter's thing. So you have no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about. I'm like, oh yeah, Captain America. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, called Marvel's What If. <laughs> Amazing. I'll say 2014's Ouija, Origin of Evil. Wow. Do you remember that one? I do. I think it's spooktacular. I think so too. Because it's got that really hardcore supernatural element to it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. What do you like about that movie? I just found it... Okay, you know what? Here's what I liked about it. I liked that throughout watching the movie, I thought it was going to fall into about 12 different tropes and be very predictable, and yet it wasn't. And I like that about the movie. I think that's like my one of my my things I loved about it most. I love it not only when something doesn't fall into tropes that I don't like, but also when I'm predicting something will mm-hmm. happen and then it it doesn't happen in like a much better way. I feel like only murders in the building did that a lot yes. for me. And movies like Ouija or Ouija or oh, yeah. did a lot of the same yeah. thing. What about the cabinet of Dr. Caligari? which is like, I think the most classic one that everyone talks about, but from a theater perspective and sets and practical effects and stuff. I haven't seen the whole thing. I know this is awful. This is bad. But I was just reading about, so funny you bring it up because I was reading about it yesterday, yesterday, literally. And I was like, I need to watch that this year because it it is, it does look so fun and theatrical and just kind of out there. And the sets look so fun and makeup. So I haven't seen it, but do you like it? Would you recommend it? I would recommend it to you because of the theatrical aspect and the sets. Like, it's so cool to watch. And stuff like that, where the set pieces are so eerie, really, really connects, really gets to me. I love that. Yes. So just like watching it and having a sense of dread, like seeing the pieces of it have a yeah. sense of dread, I think really. I love that. Yeah, I definitely, I'm going to, I think I'm going to watch that soon. How about The Possession? Remember about the Dybbuk box? Ooh, never seen oh, it. Oh, okay. It's with, what's his butt? Um, what's his name? I will say, I don't know <laughs> if you'd love it. So I'll just say that. But I remember liking it. I remember, I think I would say spooktacular. I feel I like there was like, so, there were so many movies like during content. that, like, I don't know, like 2011 <laughs> to 2014, maybe that was like very much possessed kids. Every poster was like a kid screaming out ectoplasm or moths or like upside down and backwards. Yeah, exactly. Like it was just so a lot of those blur. I always had to like Google reference photos for those movies because I like, is that this one, this one, this one, or this one? You know what I mean? <laughs> the Exorcism of Emily Rose, The Last Exorcism. Oh my Exorcism. God, yes. Yes. Uh, oh yeah. The Taking of... Pelham one, two, three. No, the taking of Deborah something. All those movies were exactly the same. Yeah. Okay. The Babadook. Oh. Oh my God. Yeah. We hadn't talked about that. (laughs) Absolutely spectacular. That movie shook me the first time I saw it. I I love that movie. And that's a movie. See, but that's a movie that kind of like breaks my weird thing about any sort of movies. Psychological. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because it's very much that, but it's, it's so incredible. I love that movie so much. I love that movie so much. And I knew you're a big fan too, right? Big, big fan. Like I have a very weird fright or flight defense where it's just like, I just give up. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, the Babadook, something I think it does really well is it does do that psychological thing, but I think it's paired really well with the mother's mental state having, blaming her son for her husband's death. Right. And also the psychological aspect of this entity. 
but also the physical aspect of this entity. Like, it is showing up. Yes. And so, like, the combination of those three things, I think, is what makes it so appealing. Maybe to even someone who doesn't like psychological thrillers because they fit together so well. Yeah, I think so. And they're all they're all dialed in perfectly yeah. and like perfectly balanced. Like nothing's like louder than the other. I just feel like they're like they're used in like harmony, like the physical manifestations, like the psychological side of it, the emotional side of it. So this feels like a very well-balanced movie. Agreed. And the practical yeah. effectness of the puppetry oh, and so good. Towards the beginning she goes to the police mm-hmm. and there's a coat rack in the police station mm-hmm. and it is set up to look like yeah. the Babadook. Yes. And just like that, uh, that detail yeah. <laughs> is incredible. It really is. And it makes you, it, you're never allowed a moment of relief. No. Oh my God. Like there's constantly something, even yeah. the coat racks yeah. might be out to get you. So you can never just like, you can never breathe which might sound bad, but but it's great. <laughs> it's it it never it never lets you down. Yes, like it never lets you down, but it also like never lets you down. Right, right. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I love that one. Have you seen House? 1970, 1977. Holy shit! I was gonna ask. Oh you Oh my that, god! Amazing. But no one I've ever talked has to seen has it. ever so then seen it. I was like, movie. maybe I won't even bring it up. So that's why I led with just asking if you've seen it. So I assume yes, yes great. have seen it with like the the Vietnam vet who who buys the house right, and he's living in. Are we thinking of the same house? He's like a he's like a veteran or something, and so it's it's a question of like, is he having some PTSD or is the house haunted? Maybe we're talking about different houses though. Mine mine's like a Japanese film from 1977. Oh, and it was it's like a, a woman lives in the house. Unfortunately, we are thinking of two different <laughs> house movies, which no one else in our lives has ever seen. <laughs> oh my god, that is so funny. Well, then great. I have another one that I can give you for the game. Let's do. Oh, Conjuring Two. That's the one where they go to London for the investigation. Yeah, that's also one I wanted to come up because. I think the first and second are pretty different movies, mm-hmm. but I like the second one so much more oh my God, than the yes. first one. Yes. yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was worried you're going to say boo to it. And um, yes, I could not agree more. I think it's so much more fun. No. Spooktacular 100%. Yes, I agree. I agree. And something about it just, I think is a lot more satisfying. I don't know. I'm more satisfied watching the second one than the first. Again, the entity in the house is very scary. Yes. Ed Lorraine Warren and their connection to whatever's going on is, and that supernatural thing is very scary. Yeah. And so stuff like that is always going to spooktacularize me. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Also, I have had that happen to me. Um, I don't know if you believe in ghosts or not, but I have had that happen to me. And I tell the story on Saturday's episode of Fear Queers. So I'm excited for you to hear that. Awesome. Yes. I am also excited to hear that. Look, I'm putting this in the chat. So what is this? We had two different house movies (laughs) that we were talking about. Named house. Yes. That neither of us had. I've seen seen this logo. I've seen this logo. So I know what it looks like, but I've never seen it. I tell you what, the cover art for the Japanese one that you mentioned is fucking terrifying. Yeah. I mean, that movie's not super scary. It's actually like kind of, I think it's billed as like a horror comedy and it's like super playful, but it's definitely dark and creepy. Honestly, it feels like a really creative, to sort of contextualize the type of story. It kind of feels Brothers Grimmy in a way. Okay. Where it's like dark and spooky and scary, but also like there are elements of comedy to it. Yeah. I don't want to project Brothers Grimm onto it because it's just, it is its own thing. 
and it's perfect and it's it's fun. It is so fun. So I would recommend that. Awesome. That was a fun game. I enjoyed that. That was fun. And also, I feel like it was also very informative. I feel like I have four tabs open of movies I need to add to my watch list. So I'm <laughs> yeah. grateful to you for those. And I love this cover art for House, the Japanese version. It's, yeah. And so I'm on the Criterion page hovering over the Add to Cart button. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, <laughs> super fun. Loved this. Spooktacular Snortacular and Boo. I feel like we didn't have a lot of Snortaculars, which is nice, but a whole lot of never seen it. No, yes. <laughs> Again, listen, we're out here building our watch lists, which is, I think, the the, the best result. Agreed. Everyone just <laughs> go and watch everything we just said. Yeah. You know what? Even Except if we the, said we didn't booze. like it. <laughs> make Form your own opinion. Yeah, make up your own. Exactly. Yeah. Just keep in mind everything we said when you watch Halloween Kills. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Which, yeah. Again, if you want to go watch Michael Myers kick some butt, then you will love that movie. All right, Chase. This was so much fun. Yes. Thank you again so much. Where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at underscore that gay Jedi or YouTube at that gay Jedi. And yeah, this was so much fun. Thank you for everything. It was such like a, it was so exciting just to be able to meet with you and a wonderful, a wonderful afternoon spent just hanging out. So thank you. I agree so much. Thank you. Really appreciate you being here. And also everyone go listen to Fear Queers. It's really, really great. And they have a much more in-depth knowledge of horror than than I do. And also, Chase, do you want to plug your haunted theater podcast? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have another scary podcast because I guess I just really like talking about <laughs> ghosts. Um, and that's called Ghost Delight. And you can find that wherever, like any major podcasting site like Spotify or Anchor or Apple. Ghost Light, we just talk about haunted theaters across the world. We tell the history of the theater and then we get into some sort of like ghost sightings that occur there regularly. And then we sort of usually talk about some like cryptid little fast facts at the end of each episode. So that's super fun. Oh, we should do a cryptid episode. Oh, always down. Listen, Joey, I am I am happy to make time for you anytime, oh, anywhere, always. That's so great. Thanks so much, Chase. Of course. Thank you. And that's our Halloween special edition of Krypton to Alderaan. Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to follow Chase and check out their podcast and YouTube channel. Also, to get in touch with us, reach out with your feelings on social media at Krypton to Alderaan or at Krypton to Alderaan at gmail.com. Let us know if you check out any of the movies we mentioned. And don't forget to leave us a review. We'll see you on the next episode. Krypton.